630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Now Yamamoto, right wing to dry sidle into the blues end. He'll drive down that right wing. He'll get it out. Yamamoto scores! Kyler Yamamoto rips it home and the Oilers have a 5-4 lead. Ah, the dramatic victory last night for your Edmonton Oilers. I was trying to combine dramatic drama with Yamamoto. I don't know if anything really works. Dramamoto? Dramamoto? Yamadramamoto? I I don't know. Anyway, it was a dramatic goal. Good goal by Kyler as the Oilers figured it out for a 5-4 win over the St. Louis Blues. 2-2 so far on their five-game road trip. It concludes tomorrow in the city without an airport, Winnipeg. It's going to be a 4.30 face-off show. The game at 6 right here on 6.30. Chad, then those two teams will meet again at Rogers Place on Thursday as the Oilers are back home for a couple of games. NHL tonight early in the second period. Lightning with a 2-1 lead on the Islanders. And also early in the second period, Detroit up 1-0 on Columbus. Dylan Larkin has his seventh of the season. Monday night football kicks off in a few minutes. It is... San Francisco at Los Angeles. I had a caller on overtime open line last night after the Oilers game start his call by saying, well, Reed, it looks like you owe me 20 bucks because my team shut out your team in the NFL. Yes, I am a Seattle Seahawks fan. And yes, they are not doing well this season. And yes, they failed to score yesterday against the Green Bay Packers. I should clarify, I did not actually make a bet with this gentleman. He was giving me a hard time. And why wouldn't he? Though I will say this, Russell Wilson came back to play I think if Geno Smith would have been the Seattle quarterback, it would have been worse than a shutout. I think they would have scored negative points. So I I still think it was an improvement having Russell back in the lineup. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Yeah, 49ers are three and five. Rams are seven and two. That kicks off in eight minutes. All right. So interesting here for the Edmonton Oilers. They They are doing very well. Yes, they are not perfect, which appears to be the standard for some of you, probably the vocal minority. But yes, they are not perfect. I'll acknowledge that just so uh, everybody can hear it. But they are 11-3. and three. They do have a 786 points percentage. They do lead the division they play in called the Pacific Division, ahead of Anaheim, ahead of Calgary, ahead of Vegas, and on down the list it goes. I'll tell you this about last night's game. It was a, a high event game, a, a higher event game than I expected because I thought St. Louis, quite frankly, might be able to do a better job checking the Oilers. And the Oilers at times uh, have some dicey moments in their own end, which has been an ongoing story this season and is is something that hopefully will be addressed here as we go along. But still, the Oilers able to figure it out more often than not this season. And I don't really look at, I, I mean, sure, when you break down details, you, you you talk about what could have been, what might have happened in a game, what did happen, what they got to do better. Uh, I, I, I've kind of never really thought saying that the, a team won by an inappropriate score. I mean, that's some things I, I hear from some of you sometimes. Well, they should have won by more. Well, they, they should they should have won 4-2. It shouldn't have been tied. Well, all right, it was tied. So what are they supposed to do? Start crying because they squandered the lead? No, go out and get the next one. And the Oilers, for the most of the season, have had that ability to go out and get the next one. And it's not like they blew the lead in the game. I mean, they were up 4-2. Credit to the Blues for fighting back. They were able to get the goal. 
Yes, I, I and I'm going to talk about some of the underlying numbers here for the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, they have some deficiencies in defending, and if we're talking really big picture, I know many of you are thinking, "Well, we want them. We we they, we got to win it all. We got to win it all while we got Leon and Connor in their prime here." Absolutely, I get that. Small picture: what happened last night on November 14th? They got the win. They banked another two points. And uh, again, they were able to figure it out. And I think that's a huge ability for a sports team. Bad, Show me a good team and I'll show you a team that is able to deal with problems or maybe have a bit of an off night and still win the game. How do you do that? Well, you got to have skill. You got to have talent. You have to have depth and you have to have experience. And I think the Oilers have more of those things than they've had in recent seasons. Are, are they going to win the Stanley Cup? I can't tell you that. I just simply can't tell you that right now. But they're going well. They're banking some points. They're getting more information about their roster. And I think they're going to get some critical information here in the next two games against the Jets, who are doing very well. They're 8-3-3. Three, and three. They trail only Minnesota in the Central Division, which is a very good division. So they'll get more information playing the team that knocked them out of the playoffs here last year. I'll tell you this on the happy side of the ledger. This is kind of a fun thing to talk about. Since 1990, the highest scoring team in the NHL was the 95-96 Pittsburgh Penguins. They scored 4.41 goals for per game. As a matter of fact, the 95-96 Penguins are the last team to average over four goals four per game over the course of an entire season. Again, 4.41, pretty impressive. Almost four and a half goals per game. The Oilers currently sitting at 4.14, obviously leading the National Hockey League. And obviously not as good when you look at goals against per game because the Oilers, when you go into that category, are uh, not great. I mean, they're okay. They're they're 18th, so they're just a little bit on the wrong side of mediocre, allowing three goals per game. I, I, I if they could shave off a little bit, I, I, you know, usually, usually, the top 16 defensive teams are also the 16 playoff teams, or you know, often there might be a, a one or two teams who make the playoffs outside of the top 16 defensively. So I get it. They they got to work on that. But I'm also not going to argue with the offense either. There's there's two ways to win games. You can't just defend the entire time and never allow goals. So I'll give them credit for what they've done so far, and, and let's see how they move forward going along here. Um, as, as you may remember from a couple of weeks ago, Dave Tippett isn't too much into the Korski and the Fenske. <laughs> for those of you who are uh, big followers of the advanced analytics. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll give you some numbers here. And just just remember these because I want to give some context. There are so many different ways to, to look at these numbers and some of the advanced stats and what you count as a scoring chance or a dangerous chance, how much time with the pocket team actually has, what are they doing with it. If you, if you look at the Corsi, so that's the percentage of all five-on-five five shots taken in a game, the Oilers are on on the better side of 50%. They're at 50.7%, 17th in the NHL, so virtually right in the middle. The NHL also tracks time in the offensive zone. So this has nothing to do with shots. This is how much time do you spend in the other team's end of the rink. And the Oilers are really good here, fourth in the NHL, 53.5%. So they're more likely to be in the other team's end than in their own end. 
And this makes sense to me because often when they get going with the puck in the ozone, they aren't taking a ton of shots, especially with the top two lines. They're passing it a lot. They're trying to cycle. They're trying to set up that one kill shot. So if you look at just the number of uh, shots taken, five on five, sort of slight advantage for the Oilers, zone time, a much larger advantage, puts them fourth in the NHL. Now the quality of the shots, and this is what Dave Tippett often talks about, the quality of the shots, the high danger chance. I don't know what Tippett calls them. Uh, if he call, I don't know if he has a, a specific name for them. But you can go to the website Natural Stat Trick, and this is the one where I would agree it's kind of concerning. High danger scoring chances, and this might be uh, high danger might constitute different than what Tippett tracks. But you know they kind of use that home plate area of the ice. The Oilers are twenty first in the NHL in high danger chances, forty seven point seven percent. So of, of all the high danger chances in Oilers games, they've had 146 against them, 133 for them. So they're basically minus one per game when it comes to high danger chances. And that's, you know, the better competition you face, you get into the postseason that could come back to haunt you a little bit more. But right now, like I said, they're able to figure it out. A lot of different numbers you can emphasize. If you just look at that offensive zone time, that's, that's pretty good you know, fourth in the NHL in terms of the amount of time they spend in the offensive zone. So just some thoughts there. They, they are scoring at a pace that we haven't seen for a while, since perhaps before some of you were born, to paraphrase Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Star Wars movie. And well, speaking of, that's probably before a lot of you were born as well. I'm happy to hear from you this evening, 780-496-0063. That is the number you can text. It's also the good old-fashioned phone number. The hotline is presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. You can also tweet me at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and you can send an email if you are so inclined, inside sports at 630ched.com. Couple, couple things I would like to hear from you tonight, kind of just for fun or to get a little bit of a, a feeling of the vibe out there. First of all, the soccer matches. I, I, when we last had Inside Sports on Wednesday, I threw it out there. Who was going? Have you been to a Canadian national team game before? How are you feeling? Are you worried about the weather? So let me know, calling or texting, were you there on uh, Friday night? What did you think of it? Did, did you enjoy the vibe? Were you into it? Were you just waiting to get out of the cold? Uh, you know, Canada carried, I, I wasn't fully engaged in watching the game because the Oilers were playing at the same time. I guess Rob and I got to see kind of most of the second half. Um, what did you think? How, how was the experience? And if you're going again tomorrow, how are you feeling knowing what the weather is going to be like? <laughs> is, is that going to change your, your, your approach at all? You can just let me know through that by giving me a call or a text. I also want to ask you this, and I'll be dropping in your responses to both of these in and out throughout the show tonight. Jerome McGinley is uh, now a Hockey Hall of Famer, longtime Calgary Flame. I, I posted this on Twitter earlier today, so I'm going to read some of the responses as I go along. But this got me thinking with Jerome McGinley entering the Hall of Fame, very well-respected player, outstanding player, clearly, but a very well-respected player. Which Edmonton Oilers rival player did you respect the most? Was it Iggy? Was it somebody else? Was it somebody back from the, the Oilers' heyday in the 80s? I, I know there are a lot of players out there you didn't like. Corey Perry, Ryan Kessler. For my mom, Zach Hyman, until she joined the Oilers. She's totally on board with Hyman now, by the way. She actually said to me the other day, she, she was talking about a good play he made in a game. She said, see, 
That's why I hated him, but now why I like him, which I thought was interesting. So which Edmonton Oilers rival player did you respect the most? I, I want to hear from you as we move along throughout the evening. It's six seventeen. We got to call a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. So. I got a couple suggestions for my uh, attempt with Yamamoto and drama off the top of the show. Hal says Yamamoto with the drama moto. And the big L says Yamamojo. Oh, that's pretty good. He, he showed his Yamamojo getting the game winning goal. That is pretty good. I am getting a lot of messages on both topics tonight. So I will read as many as I can between now and eight o'clock when I go back into a state of hibernation. Tyler says I was there. He's talking about the, the soccer match. He says it was an outstanding. Uh, it was outstanding. A great vibe. Football fans are awesome. I'm still pumped for tomorrow. A little cranky about the weather, but I knew that it was November when I bought the tickets and any weather was possible, but most likely it would be cool to cold. I'll put on layers. It'll still be great. He says the long COVID app check was my only annoyance at the game. He says it was about an hour-long line to get in. That is from Tyler. I appreciate that, man. Brenda says, I'm a huge soccer fan. Went on Friday. Going again Tuesday. If you live in Edmonton, you know how to dress for the weather. Awesome atmosphere and game. Go Canada. So there we go. Oh, Hal's, well, Hal's on fire tonight. Hal just sent me another one. <laughs> will, will soccer players do a lot less rolling around to get a penalty call in the cold and snow? Also, if they do roll around, will a trainer still spray liquid on the injury? He puts in quotation marks, and then he adds the LOL. Well, if the field was snow-covered for the match, they could make snow angels while they're playing the, the game and down dealing with their injury, as you put it, Hal. So it's kind of like performance art. <laughs> it's, it's part soccer, part how is your snow angel going to look? <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. DJ talking about the Edmonton Oilers. He says, overall, I am happy with the team. Give them a B plus. I'd still like to see them shoot more before they pass. They've been better this year, but there are still times that they receive the puck and wait for players to get into position. Just get the puck to the net. DJ, that is a very interesting message. And I think that that is a bit of an ongoing topic with the Edmonton Oilers. And if, you were probably listening off the top there where I gave the the zone time stats. And according to how the NHL tracks it, the Oilers spend uh, the fourth most amount of time in the other team's end of the rink, 53.5%. Fourth most in the NHL in the O zone. So that, that's pretty good, but yet their shot share is is basically middle of the pack. I th- and and I, I think DJ... The, those the highly skilled guys they don't want to shoot unless it's a kill shot and i i i i've been hearing it for for years ever since mcdavid came into the league and i'm sure you know you've heard rob and i talk about it too after games what's the balance between let's let's look for a really sweet shot and pass it around or okay let's just throw it at the net and create a lot of traffic i i tend to give the highly skilled guys more leeway 
because a lot of times you, you see them throw it around a little bit and you think, why don't they just shoot? Why don't they just shoot? And then all of a sudden, it's a great shot. It's a great scoring opportunity and it goes in or it forces the goalie to make a really good save. I would say for the the depth guys, yeah, you could, I, I would argue maybe they need to throw the puck at the net just a little bit more more often when they're able to get a little bit of a push going and go for a scramble opportunity or to get a face off so you can put then the one of the top two lines out in a, in a position where they're able to get on there in the offensive zone. But it, yeah, re- a really good point. And I, I think certainly that's always, always debated, right? That balance between cycling and just shooting and making the goaltender do something. 7804960063 also got a lot of texts about which Oilers rival player you respected the most. And uh, I want to rattle off some of those later on in the show as well. Uh, another texter here says, you can't really judge the Oilers' defense on breaking up the cycle in their own zone until you get Mike Smith back. His puck moving breaks up cycles before they even start. That's an interesting observation as well. Kelly Rudy in the next half hour of the show. Thanks for tuning in. Inside Sports on Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News, and on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.